Wrong choices, wrong decisions. That's why this is happening. Our creator decided to cleanse the earth. God warned me. He told me to build a boat. A boat to save our family and all the animals. Every other living creature would die. Alright, good morning. Take out your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Genesis. We're going to begin in chapter 5 today. If you need any help finding that, it's probably on about page 2 in your Bible. Shouldn't be too difficult to find. And today's title of our message, we begin to look at the story of Noah, is called, Are You Crazy? No, uh, I'm not. If you like that title, my wife came up with that one. Okay, that's a good one. Um, has anyone, let me ask you this by, by show of hands, has anyone ever ask you this question, are, are you crazy? You know, like maybe your, your kids or your spouse or friend, raise your hand. Anybody around you were going to do something and somebody's like, are you crazy? You know, they ask you that question. I mean, maybe you were going to get ready to make a big investment and somebody's like, are you crazy? Or you're going to change jobs or maybe you're going to make a big move and people are like, are you crazy? Maybe you're going to go skydiving. How many of you guys have ever been skydiving? Like myself, I've been skydiving one time. Yeah. And I, when I was going to do that, people were like, are you crazy? Maybe you decided you were going to go on a vacation this summer on Carnival Cruise Line and people said, are you crazy? crazy? I remember several years ago, uh, when we lived in Indiana, I, I loved to play golf. I don't play near as much as I used to, which is probably a good thing, but I loved to play golf. I was always looking for an opportunity to play golf. And uh, there was this guy in our church, and his kids were a part of this Christian school, and they were having a fundraiser, and it was a 100-hole golf tournament. In one day, you tried to play 100 holes of golf, and you got, yeah, some of y'all like, Adam, you like that. They, they, they pledged, you know, people would pledge like 50 cents or a dollar a hole, and your goal was to finish 100 holes of golf in one day. Well, that was like heaven to me. I'm like, yeah, I am in. Where do I sign up? And so, I, and I remember they said, now, in order for you to play 100 holes of golf, you need to bring someone to be the driver of the cart so you can just get in and get out and play as fast as you can. You don't even have to worry about driving. And so I had this brilliant idea. My wife was always wanting to spend more time with me. And so I said, honey, I got this great opportunity for us to spend an entire day together in this 100-hole golf tournament. And you get to be the driver of my cart. And of course, she said, are you crazy? I said, no, it'll be fun. And I, of course, had to promise her like 10 shopping trips, you know, all expense paid and all this. But she, she agreed. And actually, my friend that got me in the tournament, his wife agreed. And so we're, it's, oh, two couples, 100-hole golf tournament. This is going to be awesome. You know, and our wives are like, are you crazy? This is nuts. So we get out there. First hole, the sun is just coming up because to get 100 holes in, I mean, you got to play sun up to sun down. I mean, we are so excited. We're so pumped. We get at the first tee box and we tee off. And, and you know, I hit a drive right down the middle. I'm excited. Oh, let's go. Let's go. Shelly's driving the cart. I'm like, step on it. Come on. We get up there. Well, she pulls up to my golf ball and she like pulls up right next to it. You know, like the, the tires right next to the golf ball, you know, and, and I'm jumping out. And as I'm jumping out, I said, you're going to have to back up. I can't hit that. And I'm grabbing my club. As I'm grabbing my club, she backs up. <laughs> True story. She runs over me on the first hole of the 100-hole golf tournament. She said it was an accident. 
I said, are you crazy? She said, you said back up. I survived, finished my 100 holes, and we're still married 20 years later today. Had a good time. But you know what? We're going to look at a man today that people thought that he, this guy was crazy. His name is Noah. I mean, when we think of Noah, we think of a big boat, you know, arky, arky. Remember that song? You know, monkey, goat, you know, giraffe. But if we're not careful, we'll miss the incredible details spiritually of this story. And I, hopefully we can bring some freshness to this story of Noah as we look at it. And I want you to understand, Noah is a major character in the Bible. I mean, he's listed in Hebrews in what I like to call the, the hall of faith. Um, his name is mentioned 50 times throughout the, book of the books of the Bible. Nine other books talk about Noah, which lets us know that he is not a minor character, but a major character in the Bible, and he is an incredible example for all of us. I mean, there's things we can learn from his life. You see, Noah wasn't crazy. He was actually the kind of person and Christian that we all should strive to be, and we can learn some wonderful examples uh, from his life that we're going to look at today. We're going to look at three examples from Noah's life that, so that we can be like Noah, this incredible man of God. You have this in your notes. Number one, Noah was a man that walked with God. And we ought to be people who walk with God. Noah's a man that walked with God. We're going to begin in chapter 5 in Genesis. And as you're going to see chapter 5, you're going to, this, is, this is important that we look at some of chapter 5 because most of you have never read chapter 5 of Genesis because it's a genealogy. And so when you're reading through the Bible and you see one of those things, you're like, I'll just skip that right there. God will forgive me. So, but, but, but here's the deal. There's some, there's some cool stuff in here. And in chapter 5 in Genesis, there is 1,656 years of history in one chapter. It's the genealogy of Noah tracing him all the way back to the first man that we looked at a couple of weeks ago, Adam. This is the family tree. If you, I mean, y'all like studying family trees, genealogies. You know, they got like Ancestry.com. You know, you look at your family tree and, you know, have you ever noticed there's gaps in it because there was some crazy uncle nobody likes to talk about? You know, well, we're going to look at the genealogy of Noah going back 1,656 years because there's some nuggets of spiritual truth in here that God wants us to see. So we're going to begin in Genesis chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. And it says, this is the book of the genealogy of Adam in the day that God created man. He made him in the likeness of God. He created the male and female and blessed them and called the mankind in the day they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and his name was Seth. Now we know that they first had Cain and Abel, but we know that Abel is, died, so he can't carry on the seed, and Cain was cursed, so they gave him another son, Seth, who would carry on the family line. And then verse 4 says, and he begot, he had Seth. The days of Adam were 800 years and he had sons and daughters. Adam lived 800 years, but at the end of 800 years, what happened to Adam? He, he died, just like God said he would do because of his sin. He ended up dying after 800 years. It says he had many sons and daughters. We don't even have all of their names. But if you live 800 years, you're going to have some kids. You're going to pop out a few little ones. I mean, 800 years. I mean, even if you don't have a good marriage, you're going to have some children in 800 years. Can you imagine if the Duggars lived 800 years? I'm just... Moving on. Verse 5. So all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and then he died. He, he lived 930 years, and then he died. And then Seth lived 105 years, and he begot Enosh. And, he, and after he begot Enosh, Seth lived 807 years and had sons and daughters. You're going to notice these people used to live a long time. I mean, they're like Dick Clark. They just go on forever. I was going over this message with the guys on staff as I do every week and, and get ideas and, and I said that little joke about Dick Clark and Jared, our student director, goes, who's Dick Clark? 
I know, that's what I thought. Oh, come on, Jared. He tried to blame it on me being old. But Verse 8, so all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. Enosh lived 90 uh, years, and he begot Canaan. And he begot Canaan. Then it go goes on, and then verse 11, so all the days of Enosh were 900 years, and he died. Are you seeing a pattern here? You got someone who's born, they have a bunch of children, and they live a long life, but then they, they die. I mean, isn't this heartwarming as you read these genealogies? I mean, isn't this encouraging? I mean, isn't this exciting as we look at these, you know, they begot this, and then they died. They lived, and then they died. They lived, and they, I mean, the, reading the genealogies in the Bible, it's like reading the phone book. I mean, it's just kind of, it's, it's not really exciting. It's not really alive. But, but there's something God's showing us here. I mean, this isn't exciting. It's kind of depressing. Here's the deal. It's not supposed to be. It's not supposed to be exciting. It's supposed to be a little depressing because these people are dying when God intended that if man had never sinned, nobody would have ever died. But God does this for 1,600 years so that when you come to, to a verse like verse 24, after all these people, and I won't bore you with all of them, they lived, they died, they lived, they died, they lived, they died, they had some children in between, and then all of a sudden you come to verse 24 and something happens. Something changes, and it gets our attention. Verse 24, and Enoch walked with God. Well, that's different. No, none of these other people didn't say that. It just says they lived, they had some kids, and they died. But Enoch walked with God, and he was not because God did what? God took him. I mean, he just, I mean, he's, he's walking with God, he's living, and then all of a sudden, whoosh, he's gone. He just, he's, he vanishes. God takes him. You know what, this is, this is a little sidebar here, but this is a picture of the rapture of the church right here. Many believe, scholars say that Enoch is a picture of the rapture of the church. You'll notice that this is just before the judgment of God comes on the earth with Noah, which I think is a picture of the rapture that happens before the seven years of tribulation. You got this man walking with God, all of a sudden he's gone. Some scholars believe that when the two witnesses come on the earth, that Revelation talks about that it might be Enoch and, and Elijah uh, I believe it's probably going to be Moses and Elijah but some believe that because Enoch and Elijah were the only two men in the Bible that never died God just takes them one is just taken like Enoch one is taken in a chariot of fire Elijah but you have this man all of a sudden that shows up on the scene who it says he walked with God there's only one other person in the Bible that gets that title or that phrase attached to them and that is the, the man we're going to look at today, the man Noah. Look at verse 28. It goes on with the genealogy and it says, Lamech lived 182 years and he had a son. And he called his name, what church? Noah. Everybody say Noah. And he called his name Noah saying, This one will comfort us concerning our work and the toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. And after he begot Noah, Lamech lived 595 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Lamech were 777 years and he died. And the verse 32 says, And Noah was 500 years old and he had Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Or as my kids used to say, ham, bacon, and eggs, you know. He had these, I mean, 500 years old. Noah's 500 years old when he finally has kids. I mean, just, just think about that for a second. You know, honey, I think it's time we settle down and start a family. You know, our career's kind of in place. Got all that student loan finally paid off. We're 500 now. Let's, let's have some children. And so they have Ham, ham and Jacob. I mean, you imagine you're 500 years old and you have children. I mean, they're running around in their diaper. You're chasing them in your diaper. I mean, I'm just, this is the way I think. See, genealogies can be fun. And, and, and here's the deal. Noah shows up on the scene. 
And, and God begins to give more commentary about Noah. See, all, the story of Noah is just tucked into this genealogy. And all these other people, it just says they lived, they had some kids, and they died. And all of a sudden, you have Noah, and we're going to spend three, you're going to look at three or four chapters here where it talks about Noah's life. This man was significant. Jump down to chapter 6, verse 5, and we begin to pick up the story of Noah. It says, Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. Did you know that God can be grieved? God has feelings, God has emotions, and our sin can and does grieve God. And God looked at all the people he created and he was grieved because of the wickedness of the people. In verse 7 it says, So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air. I'm sorry that I ever made them. I mean, what a statement God makes. I'm sorry I ever made man. But Noah. Aren't you thankful in the Bible when it says, but somebody? That means God's got something else in mind. It says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. And Noah did what, church? He walked with God. Everybody say, he walked with God. Noah walked with God. That's something different than all these other people except for Enoch. He's the only other man in the Bible that it says this of him. Now, I'm sure there are other men in the Bible we would say they walked with God, but only God wrote it down about these two men, Enoch and Noah, that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Let me ask you this. How many of you want to experience God's grace in your life and in your family? Hopefully, every hand is up. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. God pouring out his blessings and riches on our life. And Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I think we should ask the question, why did he find grace in the eyes of the Lord? How can we find grace in the Lord? Well, the key is right here. It's because Noah walked with God. What does it mean to walk with God? It means he was a friend of God. He was close with God. He had an intimate relationship with his God. I mean, who do you go on a walk with? You go on a walk with people you love, right? You go on a walk with people you care about. You go, you go on a walk with people that you want to be with. You know, your spouse, your kids, your friends. You, you go on a walk with those that you want to spend time with. You know, I remember when my kids were, were very young and very little. Wherever I went, you know, they wanted to be with me. They wanted to grab my hand. They wanted to, you know, mow the yard with me, you know. Uh, go golfing with me. Go hunting with me, you know. Uh, go, go to work with me. They're teenagers now, and I'm like begging them to go with me. But when they were little, they wanted to be with Daddy. They, they, they understood, you know, we want to walk with daddy. We want to be with daddy because daddy loves me. Daddy protects me. Daddy is wise. Daddy, we, we could trust daddy. That's the kind of relationship our heavenly father wants us to have with him. A relationship where we walk with God like Noah did. That we, we look at God as our heavenly father and we're his children. And that we say, you know what? My daddy loves me. My daddy cares for me. My daddy protects me. My daddy is wise. I trust my daddy. Whatever my daddy says, that's what I'm going to do. Whatever my daddy says, stay away from That's what I'm going to stay away from. Because he's my daddy and he loves me. And I can trust him. And I want to walk with him. I want to I be with him. And as Christians, we should desire and want to walk with God like Noah every day of our life. Amen? You say, how do you walk with God? Well, one way is you communicate with God. You get in God's word. You read God's word so he can speak to you. You pray so you can speak to God. That's how you enjoy a walk with God. Let me ask you this question, church. Do you walk with God? Not just do you believe in God. I'm sure if I said, how many of y'all believe in God? Probably almost every hand, if not every hand, would go up. I'm not asking, do you believe in God? Do you walk with God? 
every day of your life? Do you trust him? Do you believe in him? Do you want to be where he is? And for some of you that are here this morning, a walk with God begins with that first step. It's that step of faith when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And you take God by the hand and you say, I'm a sinner. I need to be saved by grace. And I want to begin a relationship with God through a step of faith. And then I'm going to walk with him every day of my life. You see, most people know the story of Noah that he built an ark. He built a big boat. But I want you to remember that he also built a godly character. He also built a godly family. And that's something we should all desire. If you agree, say yes. What a great example Noah is that he wasn't crazy. He was a man who walked with God. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord because he walked with God. Number two, another example that Noah is for us. Not only did Noah walk with God, but Noah worked for God. Noah worked for God. You see, when you walk with God long enough, he speaks to you. He talks to you. And he tells you what to do. Or what not to do. And that's exactly what he did with Noah. Noah was a man that walked with God. And God had something to tell Noah. He had some instruction. He had some work that he wanted Noah to do. And God's plan for Noah involved three responsibilities. You have them in your notes. The first responsibility he's most famous for was this. Noah, I want you to build a what? An ark. I want you to build an ark. This was Noah's uh, instructions from God. Verse 13 through 17, it says, And God said to Noah, this, this wasn't Noah's idea, this was God's. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them from the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and outside with pitch. You're going to notice here how specific God is about this ark, because Noah was not a boat builder. Noah lived in the middle of the desert. There was no water near him. He didn't live close to the ocean. He didn't live close to a lake. He lived in the desert. He was not a boat builder. So God's like, okay, Noah, you're going to build an ark. Duh, what's an ark? I don't know. He's like, go get some wood. Get wood that floats. Get some pitch. Fill the cracks so the thing doesn't leak. And he's giving him this instruction. Verse 15, and this is how you shall make it, God says. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. It's width 50 cubits and it's height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark, you know, get some ventilation. You shall finish it to the cubit from above and set the door on the ark in its sides. So you can get the animals in. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. And behold, I myself, God says, am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh which is in, which is the breath of life. Everything is, that is on the earth shall what? It shall die, everything. So God is very specific with Moses. Here's the first responsibility. I want you to work for me and I want you to build an ark. He gives him the spe specific dimensions of the ark. Now he gives it in cubits. We're going to translate that into our measurement. This ark was about 450 feet long. 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. This was a big boat, y'all. It was 1.4 million cubit feet. They say that today you could place 522 modern-day railroad cars inside of the ark that Noah built. I mean, you know these trains that we see that we love so much that stop us all the time around here in Commerce City? You, you could put 522 of those inside the ark. They, most scholars believe that it could have held 125,000 animals. This was a huge boat, especially in the middle of the desert. And you know people thought Noah was nuts. Thought he was crazy. What are you doing? How long did it take Noah to build a boat like that? God tells us it took 120 years. This was not just a weekend project. 
This was 120 years. And there was no Lowe's. There was no Home Depot. There was no Ryobi tools. I mean, he had to make this with his hands. Who helped him? His three sons. Pete, repeat, and the other guy. <laughs> Shem, Ham, and Japheth. They helped Noah build this boat day in and day out in the middle of the desert for 120 years. And you know people walked by and thought he was crazy. I just wonder what that was like day by day. So I have come up with a little construction project for us this weekend. The whole weekend? The whole weekend. Yes. Maybe a couple weekends after that. I can do this. Help! Oh. Ooh. I stand up and do oh. Here we go. Oh. oh, man. Okay, that's good. Oh. Mother! Father, sister, brother. Wow. Great. story Noah without showing a clip from that movie but you know people had to be coming by going Noah are you crazy I mean every day working you know waking his boys up early in the morning getting his tool belt on you know going let's go build the boat you know 120 years and you know the boys were like you know probably as teenagers they were like dad everybody thinks we're freaks everybody thinks we're weird everybody thinks we're, we're crazy and Noah's like yeah but God told us to do that and there's a flood coming when 120 years it's going gonna, it's gonna to show up. This is what God has told us. The book of Hebrews, uh, this is another book that gives commentary on Noah. It says that he built the ark in holy fear. I, I can just imagine Noah's out there with his sons building the ark. You know, a little rain cloud looks like comes over the sky. Started. He's like, oh, hurry up. We're not done with the boat yet. I mean, holy fear. And people are walking by going, what are you doing? You know, Noah, this seems weird. This seems crazy. I mean, don't you think that's a little bit overkill, Noah? I mean, you, you, Noah's a few fries short of a happy meal. I mean, his oars are not all in the water, no pun intended. I mean, people, you know they thought he was crazy. But Noah wasn't crazy. He was obedient. He was, now, if he was just doing this on his own, it would be crazy. But because God told him to do it, it was obedience. Amen? It was obedience. He was working for God. And his first responsibility, God said, build an ark. Here was his second responsibility to work for God. Trust God. Trust God. Even though this is crazy, even though this is weird, even though this doesn't make sense, God's like, trust me. Because look at what God says in verse 18. Because verse 18 is what kept Noah going every day, working on this ark. And, and, and the Bible says in Peter that he was a, while he was building the ark, not only was he building the ark, but he was a preacher of righteousness. He was trying to get people right with God. Guess how many people listened? Nobody, except his family. Nobody ever responded for 120 years. And, and here's what God said in verse 18 to Noah. But I will establish my covenant. Everyone say covenant. 
I will establish my covenant with you, Noah, and you shall go into the ark, you and your sons, your wife and your sons' wives with you. The Bible tells the Hebrews there were eight souls in all. Noah and his wife, his three sons, and their wives. I mean, imagine being with your in-laws for, you know, a hundred plus days, you know, a year and a half. That's, That's who's on this ark with them. Now, this is the first time you see the word covenant in the Bible. And you have this definition in your notes. A covenant is an agreement that involves obligations and benefits for the parties involved. Now, don't get confused here with the word covenant because we've talked about covenant at different times. There are two types of covenants that you see in the Bible. One type of covenant involves just one party, and that would be God, where God makes promises. They're not contingent on us at all. It's just what God says he's going to do, like the promise of a Messiah. God said, that's, that's what I'm going to do to save the world. Whether you do anything or not, I'm sending the Messiah. But then sometimes there's a two-party covenant. That's what's going on here where it involves God and someone else. Where God says, listen, if you do your part, I will do my part. That was the case with Noah and his family. If Noah was obedient and working and trusting and believing and having faith in God, then God would take care of Noah and he made him that promise. And it was God's covenant with Noah, his promise with Noah and his family that gave them the confidence to trust God and believe what he had said. Listen, church, can I challenge you this morning? We, too, can trust God and his promises. Amen? When God says something in this book, we can take it to the bank. We can rely on it. We can trust it. Now, if it's something we just dream up on our own, that's different. But if it's something that God has said, I mean, when God has promised to never leave us or forsake us, we can have confidence in that truth. Amen? When God says that he promises to give us the peace that passes all understanding in the storms of life, we can be confident and have faith and trust God in that truth. When God promises to love us unconditionally and to send his son to die for us, to love us with an unfailing love, we can, we can trust that promise. We can trust his promise of protection. We can trust his promise of care. We can trust his promise. You ever have decisions you need to make in your life and you just don't know what to decide? Anybody? You know, maybe right now you go, I got, I got a decision to make. You know what? the Bible says in James, if anyone lacks wisdom, just let him ask God and he promises to give you wisdom. That's a promise we can count on. And I love the promise that he promises if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's not a maybe, that's a, that's a sure thing. We too can trust the promises of God and be confident as we walk through life with God because of his promises when we trust what God has said. And that's what Noah did. Noah worked for God. He built an ark. He trusted God. And then he had a third responsibility that he's famous for. Gather the animals. He had to gather the animals. To work for God and do what God said, he had to gather the animals. Look at verse 19. And every living thing of all flesh, God says, you shall bring two of every sort to the ark. To keep them alive with you, they shall be male and female so they could reproduce. Of the birds after its kind, of the animals after their kind, and every creeping thing of the earth after its kind. Two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. And you shall take for yourselves of all the food that is eaten, and you shall gather it to yourselves, and it shall be food for you and for them. In other words, God says, Noah, you know, you need to get two of each kind of animal, male and female, to get them on the ark so they can reproduce, and we can start all over again. You needed to get enough food for you and your family and all the animals. And, and Noah didn't know how long he was going to be on the ark. He had to trust God. He didn't know. God didn't tell him. And then verse 22, watch this. God had told him all these instructions. How to work for God. What to do. To trust God. To build an ark. To gather the animals. And you've got to love verse 32, or 22. I mean, this is the message right here. Thus Noah did according to most that God had commanded. Some of what God commanded. 
A few other things? No. Noah did, according to Say It Church, all that God had commanded him, so he did. As we used to say in Bible college, that'll preach. That right there will preach. Noah did everything that God told him to do, exactly how God told him to do it. If we would all just walk out of here, and I speak to myself today, and apply verse 22 of chapter 6 of Noah's story to our life every day, how different would our lives and marriages and families be if we lived that way? That every day our goal was to live according to all that God has commanded. What a challenge Noah's story in life is to us. A, an example of obedience, an example of trust, an example of faith. And, and listen, if you want to know what God has commanded, all you got to do is open up this book and start reading it. And there's things, and listen, God wastes no space in the Bible. Everything in here is for our good. Everything that God asks us to do is for our good and to glorify God. And everything God asks us not to do is for our good and to glorify God. Oh, if we would just, church, trust God like Noah to do all that God has commanded. And without question, how would, our, how would your week next week be different than last week if you just applied that verse and I just applied that? I'll just tell you all, as I was studying this, that was really convicting to me. Do I do all that God has commanded? I think sometimes I find myself picking and choosing the ones I like. And, 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 and maybe not paying attention to the ones that might be difficult or that I don't like. Listen, Noah, was Noah crazy? No. Noah was not crazy. He was obedient to God, to work for God, faithfully for 120 years I mean, not just a year, 120 years it took him to build this ark and be faithful and obedient and trust God. I mean, how about you? How long are you faithful? Well, you know, the other day, for, 15, un, for un, an unbroken 15 minutes, I was completely committed to God. But then I just kind of burned out. I mean, how long? I mean, when you look at Noah's life, yeah, I, I, so often, and I, I can be this way too as a Christian, you know, we, we serve God so long, we do something for God so long, and then we're like, oh man, I just, I need a break. I need a break. Can you imagine how Noah would think about that? You know, I, 120 years I did this and didn't have, I didn't have a break. I did everything that God asked me to do. You know, you know I mean, I, listen, I was in small group last semester. I just need a break this semester, you know, from being with God's people and talking about God's word and praying for each other and, you know, caring for one another. Woo! I just get burned out after a while doing that. You know, and that discipleship thing at Orchard Church, that reproduced, that's really cool. And yeah, man, I just took someone through. It took me about nine months. And woo, boy, that took it out of me. Man, I need a break from that. You know, nine months of committing to do what Jesus called me to do. You know, listen, I have been to church three weeks in a row. I need a break. I need a break. Man, I've been reading my Bible. I read a whole chapter of the Bible last month. I need a break. Need a breather, you know? We just, we just got, we're, we're finishing the tail end of our 90-day tithe challenge that many of you took. And, and praise God for the incredible stories we've heard and how God has blessed and all that. And we're, we're getting to the end of that. I hope that God has blessed you so much and strengthened and encouraged your faith that now that we're at the end of the 90-day tithe challenge, you're like, okay, I kept my commitment to tithe for 90 days. Woo! Now I'm burned out. I need a break. 
I need to go ahead and just keep that for myself now. I hope, I hope that won't be your attitude. Noah's a challenge to all of us to do according to all that God has commanded all the time, all of our life. And then guess what? We get to experience God's blessings for obedience. Amen? Amen? Because God, oh, God rewards obedience. Noah walked with God. Noah worked for God. He was obedient. And then finally, Noah waited for God. Now, I, I know this probably won't challenge any of you because you guys are the most patient people in the world. You never struggle with waiting on anything. But, you know, this, we're going to throw it in there. Okay, I'm obviously being facetious. Noah waited for God. And I'm just going to read verse 1 through 24 and make a couple of comments as we close this out. Just, just stick with me. Then the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous, right with me, before me in this generation. Finally, after 120 years, God goes, it's time. The boat's done. It's time to get on the boat. You've waited 120 years for the flood to come. It's time to get on the boat. You shall take with you seven each of every clean animal, a male and a female, two each of the animals that are unclean. See, everybody just thinks of Noah that he just brought two of every animal. But of the clean animals for sacrifice, he had to bring seven of those. And we're going to see that next week, him make that sacrifice. A male and a female. Also seven each of birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of all the earth. For after seven more days, how many more days, church? Seven. Okay, Noah's waited 120 years to get on the boat with his family and for the flood. He gets on the boat and God says, now that you're on the boat, you've got to wait seven more days. And I think that was just so, maybe for seven days, people would walk by and continue to be, okay, the crazy guy Noah and his family, now they're on the boat. And they're just sitting there in the middle of the desert on this boat for seven more days and people are walking by, probably making fun and ridiculing him. And God's making, Noah's probably like, we've waited 120 years, what, seven more days? So he waits seven more days and I will, then I will cause it to rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights and I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. And Noah did according, here it is again, to all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the flood rotters were on the earth. So Noah with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives went into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Of clean animals, of animals that are unclean, of birds and everything that creeps on the earth. Two by two they went into the ark to Noah, male and female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were on the earth. I just want to throw this in here. It's a bone for some of you guys. Some of you it's going to go over your head. But I think these seven days are also a picture of the seven years of tribulation before the second coming of Jesus and the great judgment. I'll just throw that in there for you. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month of the 17th day of the month, you see how God, see some people question if there was really a flood or not. God is very specific. I mean, he's using specific days and dates and everything when this happened. And on that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. You see, people think about Noah and the flood and they think it's just about the rain coming down. But God tells us it wasn't just rain coming down, it was water coming up as there were explosions under the sea and, and we, water was coming both ways to flood the entire earth. And the, and the, verse 12, and the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Now, it, it rained 40 days and 40 nights. But then the water continued to be on the earth, long past that. And on the very same day, Noah and Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wives, and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. They and every beast after its kind, all cattle after their kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, every uh, bird of every sort. And I'd just like to stop there and say, why the mosquitoes? Why? Could he not have left them out? 
How, why did he let them on the ark? I'm just, I just want to ask why. And they went to the ark to Noah, two by two, to all flesh, which is the breath of life. So those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him. And the Lord shut him in. Don't miss that. Noah got onto the ark with his family, but who shut the door, church? God did. God shut the door. I, I think there are a couple of reasons for that, and, and I'll share with those in just a moment, but I think one reason may be that maybe Noah just didn't have the heart to shut the door. Because all of his friends, all of his coworkers, his kids' friends that played, they played baseball in Little League with, you know, I mean, the people in the community, the neighborhood that have been mocking Noah and thinking he's crazy, they're about to die. They're about to all be extinguished from the face of the earth. And I want you just to stand there at the opening of that door with Noah and his family for a moment as they looked out amongst their community and realized they were all about to perish because of the judgment of God and how that must have felt. And, and I, want, I want to challenge you to look at our community that way. Those people that you work with, those people that are your neighbors, your friends, your family members that don't know Christ. And there's a day coming when that judgment will come again. Next time it won't be by flood, but it will be by fire. And those who do not know Christ will be left behind. They, they, they will face that judgment. Stand there with Noah and feel that for a minute, minute. And what he must have felt as God shut the door. And now the flood was on the earth 40 days and the waters increased and lifted up the ark and it rose high above the earth and the waters prevailed greatly increased on the earth. And the ark moved about the face of the waters and the waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth and all the high hills under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed 15 cubits upward and the mountains were covered. Can you imagine walking out someday and looking at the Rocky Mountains and they're not there? They're underwater. And all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds and cattle and beasts and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, and every man, every woman, and every child, all in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life, all that was on dry land died. Look at verse 23. So God destroyed all living things which were on the face of the ground, both men and cattle, creeping things and birds of the air. They were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah... And those who were with him in the what, church? In the ark remained alive. Only Noah and those who were with him in the ark. Was Noah crazy? No. He was patient. He patiently waited for God until he got on the ark and the day came. You know, we talk sometimes about the patience of Job. How about the patience of Noah? You know, he waited 120 years building an ark in the middle of the desert. He gets on the boat and then he's got to wait seven more days. And God never tells him how long he's going to be on the ark. He didn't know if he was going to be on the ark a month or six months or a year. We're going to see it next week. He was on the ark one year and ten days he was on the ark. I mean, you talk about your carnival cruise gone bad. I mean, this is it. I mean, with the animals and your in-laws. and I mean, this is a bad scene for a year and ten days. And Noah and his family didn't know how long they'd be on this. But God knew, and that was all that mattered to them. And they patiently waited for God to bring the floods, to take away the floods, how long they were going to be on the ark. I think they had the attitude of the psalmist in Psalm 31.15 that says this, My times are in your hand, God. What a great verse we should remember. That our times are in God's hand. 
It's up to his timing, not our timing. You know, we hate to be patient, don't we? We hate to wait for anything. We live in a society of instance, you know, instant communication, instant information, instant coffee. I mean, we want it, we want it now. It's, it reminds me of the guy that, you know, really needed patience. And he prayed to the Lord one day, he said, Lord, please give me patience. And I need it now. And that's how we are most of the time. But Noah's a great example of someone who was patient for years and years and years and waited on God. Let me ask you, church, what are you waiting on right now? What are you waiting for God for in your life right now? Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's for your marriage to be healed. Maybe it's a house that you've been wanting. Maybe it's a health concern that you're waiting for God to answer. Maybe it's the salvation of a family member or friend. I, I remember first going into ministry and having a desire to plant a church someday in a community that needed a Bible teaching church. But it was 15 years that Shelly and I waited for God to say, now's the time. And I have no doubt in my mind, if I would have tried that one day before God told us to, we would have totally screwed it up. But we waited on God. What are you waiting on God for in your life? And will you continue to wait? No, waited 120 years. But God came through with his word. And no matter what the storms of life are, what they bring, we need to remember this truth, church, that God is still on the throne. God is still in control. He knows what's going on. He knows what he's doing. If we'll just patiently wait. Romans 8, 28 is still true. All things work together for good to those who love him, who are the called according to his purpose. Noah was a man that has, gives us great example. He walked with God, he worked for God, and he waited for God. And you know what, as we close, listen to this church, you know who else waited? You know who else waited in this story that we can sometimes miss? God. God waited. Why did God take 120 years? I'll tell you one reason why. Because he was patiently waiting for people to get right with him. To repent of their sins. God was very patient. You see his mercy and grace in this story in that he waited 120 years. And you know what? 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ left this earth. But when he, before he left, what did he tell us? I am coming back. I'm coming back again. And when I come the second time, I'm bringing judgment for those who've not accepted me, for those who've rejected me. And it seems like such a long time ago, 2,000 years ago, that Jesus said those words, that I'm going to return, that I'm coming back. But listen to the context in which he said them. In Matthew 24, verse 37, here's what Jesus said. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. What was Jesus trying to tell us? Just like people thought Noah was crazy and the judgment of the flood would never come, in the last days before the return of Jesus Christ, people will think that the return of Jesus is crazy. When we talk about the rapture of the church and that Christians will vanish off this earth in, you know, in a twinkling of an eye in a moment, you know, people we talk about that Jesus is coming back and that he's going to judge, that the church is going to be removed and then there's going to be seven years of tribulation and the Antichrist is going to rise on the scene. And at the end of that seven years, Jesus Christ will come back in judgment riding on a white horse. And you tell people that and people say, oh, that's a myth, that's a fable, that's crazy. I can't believe you Christians believe that stuff. And, and, and yet... It's just like in the days of Noah when they thought Noah was crazy. It's going to happen. And Peter, in the book of, of Peter, in First and Second Peter, he describes Noah's story as a picture of salvation and the last days. And listen what he says in the context of Christ's return in Second Peter 3. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days. 
Making fun of those of us who believe that Jesus will one day return. Walking according to their own lessons saying, where is the promise of his coming? We've heard that before. People have been saying that for 2,000 years. My great grandma used to talk about that. And, and they make fun, they ridicule and they laugh. And you know, and people say that's crazy to believe that. It's crazy to think that Jesus is going to come back and he's going to judge, he's going to do these things. And you know what Peter says? No, it's not crazy. God's just being patient. He's just being patient. And he says this in verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Just like he promised a flood, he promises a fire someday and a judgment. And as some can count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us. Why has God waited 2,000 years to bring his judgment? Because he's being patient. Because he loves people. And he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen? God is just showing his patience, but one day, just like in the story of Noah, his patience will run out, and the door will close. And I want to close with you understanding this, that the ark of Noah's story is a picture of Jesus Christ. Notice what it says in verse 23, that only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive and were saved from the judgment of the flood. Only those people... And Jesus Christ is our ark today. The ark is a picture of our relationship with Jesus. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new when we're in Christ. We're going to see next week the God of new beginnings as Noah and his family come off that ark and everything starts afresh. Do you need a fresh start? Do you need a new beginning? Well, there's a great story about that next week. And anyone who is in Christ and has a relationship with him, we get a fresh start and a new beginning and our sins forgiven. You see, and just like Noah and, and his family had to be in the ark... If you want to be saved, if you want to have eternal life and your sins forgiven, you have to be in Jesus. Not just believe about him. You know, it wasn't enough for the people to walk by and see the boat and believe there was a boat and all that and believe it could save them. They had to be willing to take a step of faith and get in it. And the same is true about Jesus. You have to take that step of faith to get in Christ to be saved from the judgment of God. And how did Noah and his family get in the ark? It was a step of faith. And remember this, who shut the door? God did. We take the step of faith to receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And you know who seals our salvation? Who shuts the door? God does. God seals us, the Bible says, until the day of redemption. Our salvation is secure because he holds it in his hand and he closes the door and we are saved. And I, I just want to ask as we close this morning, I want you to think of it this way. If you're here today and you're not on the ark and that ark's name is Jesus, we're standing at the door and we're, we're inviting you. We're begging you like Noah did for 120 years. Please get in the ark. Please accept Jesus. Please have your sins forgiven. Please know you have eternal life and a home in heaven. Take God by the hand by faith and begin to walk with him. Don't get left behind. Amen? And we're begging you like Noah did. Would you bow your heads this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed? Was Noah crazy? No. Here's what would be crazy, church. It would be crazy not to follow his example. A man who walked with God, who worked with God, worked for God, and waited for God. And I first want to ask this with heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment. If you're here today and you've never taken that step of faith to be in Christ, are you ready to do that today? Will you get in the ark and his name is Jesus. 
you can find grace in the eyes of the Lord today just like Noah did when you put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you'd say, you know what, if Jesus were to come back today, I don't know if I would be taken or left behind. Why don't you settle that today, right now, right where you sit. You can pray a prayer of faith from your heart to God's and invite him into your life right now. You can step into the ark, Jesus, by faith right now. I'll lead you in that prayer of faith. It's not, the, it's not the prayer that saves you. It's not the words you say, but it's the faith behind it. And if you're ready to say, you know what? I'm ready to take God by the hand, by faith. I'm ready to make sure I am in Christ. And my sins are forgiven. And my eternity is secure. Would you pray this prayer with me right where you sit? It goes like this. Jesus, I do believe in you. And I put my faith in you today. I thank you that you died on the cross for me. For my sins. And by faith I invite you into my life. I take you by the hand by faith. I want to walk with you. I want to know you. I invite you to be my personal Lord and Savior today. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. And thank you Jesus. For allowing me to have a relationship with you. Thank you. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, I don't want to embarrass anybody, I would never want to do that, but I want to ask you, if you just prayed that prayer of faith, would you just slip up your hand? Because I want to pray for you and your new walk with Christ. Thank you, ma'am. God bless you. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Anyone else? Thank you. Yes, in the back. Several people. Yes, today I'm stepping on the ark named Jesus. I don't want to be left behind. I want my sins forgiven. I want eternal life. And I'm taking that step of faith today. I, I put my faith and trust in Him. Anyone else? Just slip up your hand if you prayed that prayer. God bless you, man. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Lord, I thank you. God bless you. Yes. Another hand. Thank you. Anyone else? I want to make sure I'm on the ark. His name is Jesus. Anyone else? Lord, thank you for those that stepped onto the ark named Jesus today by faith. Thank you for sealing their salvation through your Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. Thank you that we are safe and we are secure in you. And Lord, may we not just take a step of faith to grab your hand, but may we hold on to your hand and walk with you by faith every day of our life. And I pray for those who made that decision today that they would grow in their relationship with you. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, let me ask you all who are Christians. You know you're on the ark. You know you're safe. You know you're secure. You know you've had your sins forgiven. But did Noah's life and story challenge you today? Are you walking with God? Not do you just know Him and believe Him, but are you walking with Him? Are you working for Him? Are you obeying all that He asks you to do or not do? Are you, are you patiently waiting for Him in your life? For those things that you, you'd like to see happen and, and we get so tempted to get ahead of God and make happen? Are you waiting for Him? And as Christians this morning, if God has spoken to you in one of those three ways or more, can I just pray for you? Would you slip up your hand this morning? I know I need to walk, work, or wait on God more. Lift your hand all across this auditorium in every section. Many hands, many hands. Let me pray for all of us. God, I pray that we would take to heart the incredible example of Noah. A man who found grace in your eyes. A man who walked with you, who worked for you, and waited for you. And we, may, we apply those same truths and examples to our life and find grace from following you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.